0: And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co host, Matt Dudak.
1: Hey there, everybody.
0: Matt, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can find the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. You can find us on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable. You can find uh, episodes and content at her, our website horizonroundtable.com. and of course you can follow us and subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available. And Matt, um, <clears throat> I know the uh, our season was cut short a little bit, but um, I guess now is as good a time as any to uh, to welcome Fort Wayne fans. Screw um, it, and I,
1: Fort Wayne's in. Let's Fort do Wayne, it.
0: Is, yes. And to celebrate this, uh, we we have brought on John Nolan. Who is the now? Now, if I understand this correctly, you do the TV broadcast, the home TV broadcast for Fort Wayne, correct? Hey, Bob. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Really excited for Purdue Fort Wayne to be uh, joining the Horizon League and uh, yes. as a result, getting to tune into your podcast more regularly. And uh, yeah, I'm really lucky to have a chance to uh, be the Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball TV play by play voice. Uh, occasionally, I'll fill in on the radio uh, for some of the road trips. But yeah, the Mastodons have all of their games broadcast through. In years past, I have had all their games broadcast uh, throughout the state of Indiana uh, for Comcast subscribers. And now, going forward, uh, we'll also have our games like the rest of the Horizon League uh, broadcast uh, via Watch ESPN.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because I know that I, I know that um, that's an interesting dynamic. Because I know some of the other teams that teams within the horizon league um, have that dynamic where they have a radio voice. And then they also have, uh, they also have somebody doing the TV games. Um, One such example being Detroit mercy. Uh, We've obviously had the radio voice, Dan hasty on Um, ironically next week, we're going to have Jerry Miato, their TV voice on. So, uh, so it's, it's not a, it's, it's, it's the dynamic where we, we should be used to in the Horizon League because I, I know there's a few uh, schools that do it that way. Um, so, yeah, and you also do, and you also are uh, involved or would be if it, if things were actually, you know, if sports are being played, you're actually involved in um, play-by-play on a couple of other sports if you'd like to share that with everyone.
2: Yeah, so I'm also the uh, play-by-play voice of Fort Wayne's minor league baseball team, the 10 Caps who are the uh, Padres single-A team in the Midwest League. And you mentioned Dan Hasty, the voice of Detroit Mercy men's basketball. Uh, he also doubles up, uh, calling West Michigan Whitecaps games. He uh, does. So looking forward to, to getting to work alongside Dan in another capacity now. And, yeah, coincidentally, the footprint of the Horizon League really matches the footprint of the Midwest League. So um, even though I haven't been to every campus uh, around the conference yet, uh, I have pretty much uh, visited – um, you know, every, every city that has a horizon league team, uh, sometimes as a result of traveling in the Midwest league, And uh, I also broadcast games for Fort Wayne, NBA G league affiliate with the Indiana Pacers, uh, the mad ants, uh, to some high school football and basketball, try to stay busy, uh, that way. And, uh, by the way, just going back to what you were referencing, uh, the radio voice for the Macedon, his name is Brett Rump and, uh, he'd be a good one for, uh, for hardcore Horizon League fans to follow. He's at Brett Rump Sports, and he also hosts a local uh, sports talk show Monday through Friday here in Fort Wayne on the ESPN radio affiliate that, that carries uh, Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball. Um, and so Brett, he's a he's a great uh, ambassador for uh, Macedon's basketball. And now going forward, the Horizon League itself, you know, in the past, and this applies really to all of us, we tried to carry the flag for the Summit League around here, but that was just a bit of a harder sell since the uh, the closest school in recent years was about six hours away there in western Illinois. So uh, now I think we're, you know, looking forward to having this, the competition that we talk about in the Horizon League. Uh, yeah, just being so much more regionally based, you know, places where people here in Fort Wayne uh, perhaps went to school themselves or, you know, they've got a family that are uh, alums or fans of fellow horizon league school. So sure. just that John. local connection, um, John, I can tell can you as a uh, long way,
1: as, as an Oakland fan, uh, I can tell you that the making this, the transition from summit to horizon is wonderful. You, you guys will love the lack of travel and just the footprint in general. Like you said, it's, it's really nice to get out of the summit from a travel standpoint alone. And, and just having that, you know, that regional action there. That's great.
2: Yeah. Oakland and IUPUI, obviously, uh, the, uh, the clear examples of making this transition. and Yeah, I was just talking about it from the standpoint of uh, these schools resonating with the uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne fan base. But obviously, in terms of the real value, I mean, financially, not having to pay as much for all athletic programs to be traveling. Whereas in the Summit League, uh, routinely making trips out to the Dakotas and Denver and, and Omaha, which – for the men's basketball or women's basketball team you know at least they were able to fly now uh, in some ways i'm not sure what's better when you have to make multiple connecting flights and do that during the winter time where uh, inevitably there are travel delays or you know other sports like baseball and softball having to bust those trips which are literally uh, over 12 hours in a lot of cases so just not ideal yet you know that said the summit league was a was a great first conference home for Purdue Fort Wayne, which uh, has only been Division I since uh, around 2001. So, and not to mention, from a basketball standpoint, uh, on the men's side and women's side, uh, really strong competition. But uh, for multiple reasons, the Horizon League uh, is just a much better fit for the Mastodons. And so, there's a lot of positive momentum uh, and excitement uh, around that
0: move. <laughs>
1: Before we get into, like, obviously, you know, what that's going to mean for you guys and what we can expect, my question is for, for you personally, um, do you have a catchphrase or anything that we can look forward to?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it report- no, if you guys have any ideas, please feel free to pass them along. I have not necessarily developed uh, any unique unique catchphrases um, in any sport that I call it, including basketball. Um, so if you've got any ideas, I'll, uh, you know, try to subtly work them in
0: and give you guys credit. OK, um, well, well, Matt, we have our mission, Matt.
1: <laughs> there it is. It's Horizon fans, there it is. I mean, some of these fans would probably rather you not have one. They they get all over Neil Rule for, of course, and Bang Bang Guy over at YSU. They hate that one. So some fans would appreciate you not having one. But I think it's all right.
0: Yeah, I'm personally holding out for by the power of Grayskull. You have to work that in somehow. <laughs> I'm sorry, by the power of what? By the power of Grayskull.
1: Bob's old. <laughs> I'm it's an old. old. Cartoon reference.
0: Okay, that's,
2: well, uh, so we'll work. We'll I mean, workshop that. No, no, yeah, um, yeah, to fill yeah. fill fans in, just a little bit about myself. I actually grew up in New Jersey, outside of uh, New York City, and so by uh, influences, watching basketball, growing up. I mean, I mean these guys are national too, but uh, the the TV voice of the New Jersey Nets now Brooklyn Nets, uh, Ian Eagle. Uh, he's one of my broadcasting uh, uh, role models and Mike Breen calling Knicks games, even Marv Albert. Um, so, if, you know, maybe uh, oh, yeah. maybe hey, you hear an I machines, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, uh, a Mike Breen puts it in bang and Marv Albert with yes, yeah, stuff like that
0: yeah so oh yeah those are definitely good role models to have especially on the catchphrase side so yeah um well um one other question i have obviously you know since things are kind of at a lull obviously because of uh you know the 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 pandemic and everything how have you been keeping yourself busy i know uh I know others have uh, – I know other broadcasting voices lend their, lend their voices to other things like, for example, Neil Rule doing mail time. I believe I saw you doing uh, game-winning shots for backyard basketball games on your Twitter account recently.
2: Yep, I've, uh, I've teamed up with uh, the Mastodon's head coach, John Kaufman. He's at Coach Kaufman on Twitter. A really good follow because uh, he shows, you, you know, his – his human side, his personality and stuff that he does with his family. It's not just, uh, just X's and O's basketball and, uh, yeah, creative idea. He had first off, uh, for the Fort Wayne community, he started a hashtag FW driveway shooting challenge. So coach Kaufman, he has two kids, including a son, Tommy, who, uh, is around fifth grade. And so, you know, Loves getting outside and and playing, especially now to uh, stay active. And so uh, being that Coach Kaufman, who normally would be on the road nonstop uh, from a recruiting standpoint at this period since he's at home, uh, he and Tommy have been spending a lot of time shooting on their hoop in the backyard. And so they've put out a challenge to see uh, who around the community can try to keep up and push each other to uh, get up as many shots as possible. So that, so that young kids and I think it's limited to sixth grade and younger to avoid any potential NCAA violations. I uh, got to check with, um, you know, got to check with the uh, athletic department to make sure you're in the clear there, but yeah, for, uh, for kids in the community to keep getting shots up, keep getting better. And then uh, as a spin-off of that, we've got hashtag Don's game winner where fans are sending uh, clips to me of, you know, reenacting last second shots. And so it's been, uh, been fun for me to try to stay, uh, stay sharp from a broadcasting, um, uh, from the broadcasting side of things. And, um, hopefully, uh, kids, uh, are having, having some amusement with, uh, these dramatic calls. And since we're in Indiana, I've even thrown in some, uh, background noise from the, uh, closing seconds of Hoosiers, uh, the classic oh, there movie. there you go.
0: There you go. Um, so let's just let's just kind of get into the let's jump into kind of Fort, uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, and I keep saying, yeah, and I, I guess that requires a little bit of explanation for some of you, uh, some of us who, well, not ne- uh, for some folks who are used to calling them IP Fort Wayne. Um, a couple years ago, as I understand it, they uh, is now just Purdue Fort Wayne. Um, Indiana is no longer involved in the equation.
2: Yeah, no no, uh, no, fault of anyone out there who uh, is confused or has had a, a tough time keeping up. Um, yes, the school for over 50 years was conjointly run by Indiana University and Purdue University, uh-huh. so it was uh, known as IPFW. Uh-huh. Um, then, yeah, the university itself uh, formerly uh, changed its official name to simply Purdue Fort Wayne a couple of years ago, uh, and then there was sort of a, an interim where the athletic department was branded as simply Fort Wayne um, from, a, from the basketball side of uh, things it really has been amazing that coach Kaufman and his staff have been able to uh, to continue to recruit at the level that they uh, that they were despite you know the challenge of when you're a high school kid and you've got uh, you, you've got uh, kids that you're recruiting that have offers from all over the place you know that branding actually, Um, you know, is really important. And so they had to go through the name changes uh, multiple times, but now uh, in addition to the uh, horizon league partnership, you know, there's more stability on campus knowing that for the long haul now it'll be Purdue Fort Wayne. Um, And, you know, don't have to worry about that potentially changing. I mean, even the colors did change because the school had been blue and white uh, for many years and now um, has switched to black and gold like Purdue, though there still is a, an accent of blue that uh, has been carried over.
1: Sure more, sure. more importantly, have we kept the Mastodon um, the, the, the actual mascot that, that was there 10 years ago when Oakland was in the conference? Because that was a great costume.
2: Yeah, well, I think Don has uh, Don's had some improvements over the years, too, but uh, the, the Mastodon mascot, Don, yeah, just, uh, besides wearing black and gold, with a little bit of blue these days uh i think he's been spiffed up but uh at at his core uh still still the same
1: sorry that's important because again it, it was one of my favorites back in the the summit days so
2: i know the other yeah recently you know one of the social media memes that was going around was uh you know like how people looked on march 1st versus april 1st with all that's been going on in the world and i think they did dig up an old looking uh version of Don and uh compared to the compared to the present day though now I think he's looking better
1: I feel like the old Don costume was like Snuffleupagus on Sesame Street and there's probably like <laughs> four people in there but I'm not sure yeah. that up.
2: It, I think he's gotten a little bit uh he's been spending more time in the weight room is a stronger version than perhaps uh it's about a decade or so ago
0: there you go so um so I actually want to so uh, John Kaufman, obviously the head coach. Um, we, I, I want to say I know a little bit about him. Um, so if you can kind of shed a little light on kind of, you know, John Kaufman, what, you know, his, his overall coaching style. Um, I know, his, you know, in recent years, the his, uh, his claim to fame has been the guy who was uh, coaching, who coached Fort Wayne to beating Indiana. I do remember that um, very vividly. But tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, how long he's been, how long, how long he's been, I believe this is, a, he's in his sixth season, um, at Fort, at Fort Wayne. Um, and he, from what it looks like his, he's been, um, definitely a part of getting, putting that, putting a real program together, uh, over, over at the school.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I can't say enough about uh, John Kaufman, the coach or or the person. He's someone who I feel uh, really fortunate to have been able to, uh, to to spend time around here over these last um, half dozen years, and so he'll be going into his seventh year as the head coach.
0: Seven spent the okay.
2: previous previous couple of years as an assistant under Tony Jasic. Uh, Tony Jasic, after being a part of the rise of the uh, the Macedon program, he left for. Jacksonville, where he's still uh, the head coach there. Um, but for Coach Kaufman, this is his first Division I head coaching job, uh, a guy who really paid his dues about 20 years as an assistant coach in college basketball, uh, starting at the uh, Division III level, uh, eventually uh, working his way up to uh, Stetson uh, University, where he was uh, a longtime assistant there down in the land of Florida. Florida, uh, had spent uh, multiple years at Colgate in uh, the central New York area before coming to uh, Fort Wayne and now calling this home. And a uh, cool fact about coach Kaufman is that, uh, his better half his wife, Tracy. She's actually a head coach too. She is a head coach at a local university over in Northwest Ohio, uh, Northwest of Ohio, uh, where she's a softball coach. And so uh, what a dynamic it is there to have two head coaches. And then, like I said, they have two kids. So, uh, a running joke for them is that in their house, it's always game day because you know, whether it's in the winter time with basketball or come springtime for softball, uh, there's nearly always a game on the calendar. And so a couple years back, they got a, uh, a family dog and they named their dog game day. So, um so now, uh, and it's a really cute cockapoo. And so, you know, now it's literally always game day there for the Kaufmans. Um <laughs> and under under Coach Kaufman, uh, now actually this past year for Horizon League fans as they kind of gear up for having the, the Don in the mix now, you almost want to disregard this past year uh, which was the, uh, the first time the Mastodons didn't have a winning season uh, after a run of six consecutive winning campaigns and they had five consecutive postseason appearances uh, along the way. There was one year where they passed up on the uh, chance to be in the CIT but um, won a Summit League regular season title, uh, played in the NIT, and again to keep the perspective of this is uh, a program that only became Division One in 2001, was without a conference for several years. Uh, so it was a, a gradual progress uh, process to to build the program up to where it is now. You mentioned uh, an upset over IU that was back in 2016 when the Hoosiers were ranked third in the country, and then. It was actually um, back-to-back years that the Mastodons uh, upset the Hoosiers, because then they did it the following year at Assembly Hall. But yeah, for fans who kind of just want to get a feel for the, the personality and character of Coach Kaufman, actually, Big Ten Network, you can still find it on YouTube. Uh, you know, They had posted a post-game interview that, that Coach Kaufman did after that uh, epic upset of the third-ranked Hoosiers. And it, it right there actually just gives you a great sense of the type of person that Coach Kaufman is, because... You know there's a moment where you could just be pumping your uh pounding your chest and really kind of seeking the attention, but instead he made sure to credit Coach Crean uh from IU at the time for the fact that they were willing to schedule um the mastodons and what it meant for the Fort Wayne community because that that initial upset was actually played in Fort Wayne at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. There were uh, 10 to 12,000 fans who filled up the arena. That was as big of an event as uh, I've experienced in my time in, in Fort Wayne. And shoot, I think people will tell you uh, over the last several decades, uh, you know, there's really not been a, a bigger event in the Summit City than that because there are so many longtime uh, Hoosiers fans here. And um, yeah, for that matter, too, in that interview, he was holding his son Tommy uh, in his arms because uh, he's definitely – Definitely a dedicated family man too, um, and just has, has a great sense of humor, and um, and is a, someone who's super detail oriented, uh, and that has really been the uh, the backbone of the success for the uh, the program over the last uh, six years with him as the head coach.
1: You mentioned the uh, the Coliseum. Um, is that where Fort Wayne's playing most of their games? No, I know I've been to a couple Oakland Fort Wayne games back in the day there. Um, but don't they use two different, um, gyms? Like what, what's the story with all that? Can you explain that for us?
2: Yeah. So, so the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, which has a lot of history to it, you go back to uh, the early days of the NBA and the Pistons before moving to Detroit actually started in Fort Wayne as the, the Fort Wayne Vulner Pistons. And so they played, uh, in two of the, uh, early NBA finals, um, the Coliseum actually hosted the third ever NBA all-star game back in the fifties. Um, trying to blank right now on who I know Bob Cousy played in that game. And uh, it was George Mikan who is the MVP. There we go uh, of that game. Um, and so that's where the Macedons play the uh, vast majority of their home games. It's basically across the street from campus and the Coliseum is also the home of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants G League team, as well as the Fort Wayne Comets of the uh, ECHL and, and the Comets. They're one of the most successful minor league hockey teams in the entire country. And you know, it's a, a big building that hosts concerts and lots of conventions and other events too. Uh, and it's basically across the street from campus. Uh, on campus, uh, pretty Fort Wayne has the Gate Center. Uh, that's much more of uh, an intimate atmosphere with a capacity uh, of just around 2,000 or so. Um, But yeah, in recent years, the Dons have played the uh, vast majority of their games at the Coliseum, and I think that'll be the case again going forward. And uh, who knows, I think that could be a a candidate to perhaps host a Horizon League uh, tournament down the road. I think it would really be a great fit, geographically, centrally located for the league, and uh, that great size too of of 10,000 plus.
1: I didn't know if Bob had any. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting because what you guys. Sorry, probably, my fu-
0: microphone muted. Okay. Sorry, my bad. Um,
1: but um, you know? You mentioned the Horizon League tournament. That's an interesting thought because originally we were told that no yeah. um, venue would be used that was somebody's regular uh, gym, but then IUPUI. Ooh. Plays in the farmers col farmers more farmers coliseum. What do they call? Whatever they call it Farmers that. coliseum. Yeah. Farmers coliseum. And all of a sudden, you know, the Horizon League tournament was there, and that was the surprise, and kind of went against everything we'd been told. So can't rule out that it moves to Fort Wayne. Who knows?
0: And if I understand it correctly, yes. Fort Wayne was mentioned as a possible place too. Um, at some point, at some point in time, I can't remember if they if it, that was any more than a any more than you know talk or a proposal or anything like that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't have any inside information there, but uh, actually, I think a couple of years ago, before Purdue Fort Wayne was uh, was even officially entering the league, I think there were Horizon League uh, officials who came to uh, to tour the Coliseum as uh, the local tourism bureau had put in a bid looking to host it. Um, if you go back, the Summit League had rebranded before that; it was the uh, the MidCon Conference. And uh, when, when Valparaiso was a member of Fort Wayne actually hosted that league tournament um, once or twice. So there is some precedent for uh, for the city hosting a conference tournament. And actually, you know, one of the couple of the casualties of our, of our current pandemic is that uh, the Coliseum missed out on getting to host uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in the Division One Women's Basketball Tournament. Uh, that was going to be um, a really cool event and uh, would have been the second year in a row too to host. The uh, Division Three Men's Final Four. So um, yeah, just when you talk about the standards of the facility, um, they've hosted uh, NCAA events like that.
0: Okay, that's always good. So, so you mentioned that uh, this season was kind of a down season for for Fort Wayne. Um, so. Kind of give us a little bit of uh, let us uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who they got coming back and uh, you know what what what, what we can excel, what kind of uh, what kind of players we're going to be uh, need to game plan for during the uh, horizon League season?
2: Yeah, and I should say it wasn't necessarily uh, a huge shock that the Macedons did have a little bit of a drop off this past year because they had graduated the best player in program history, John Conchar who then became the first player in program history to play in the NBA. He's uh, on a two-way contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. And after spending uh, the majority of the early part of the season with their G League team in Memphis, uh, he was increasingly gaining minutes with the Grizzlies in the NBA. And so uh, this stoppage is now kind of uh, stymied, uh, stymied his momentum there, but that was a lot of fun to see. It was, He had some highlight plays and an upset that they had over the Lakers, uh, as one example. And obviously, that's an up-and-coming team in the NBA. So uh, a lot of fun to see uh, John Conjar representing the Mastodon there. And and he was an amazing development story for Purdue-Fort Wayne because he had only one other Division I scholarship opportunity coming out of uh, high school in West Chicago and actually redshirted his first year with the Mastodons. Um, because he was uh, a pretty slender guy and put on literally 40-plus pounds of muscle during that redshirt year and then went on to become an all-league player for four years. And for, you know, Horizon League fans who just uh, were keeping a pulse of college basketball um, over the last uh, five or so years, Mike Dom from South Dakota State was one of the top players and scorers, uh, really, in NCAA history. And so it just so happened that and Dom. Uh, spent the same five years together because they both had redshirted and then had these incredible, incredible uh, careers. And so Contrar never wound up as the Summit League Player of the Year because Dom got that three years in a row. Basically, any other point in time, Conchar's probably Player of the Year. Not to mention here, as an aside, the Summit League, you know, I think has some bias uh, towards the Dakota-based schools, the league offices in Sioux Falls, um South Dakota, but, uh, but I digress.
0: Absolutely. Um, I hadn't noticed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So the masterminds lost John Conchar. Um, yeah, that said now looking ahead, uh, Jared Godfrey was an honorable mention all league player last year as a sophomore. And he kind of, he, he, in some ways he sort of, uh, stepped into that John Contra role as being a, a bigger point guard at six, five, uh, Jared's from, uh, the Atlanta area, and I think one area where you're going to see progress from him next year was that this past year, his first year having the reins at point guard, uh, he wound up turning the ball over um, more than the Dons would like to see it. But a guy who could score it and facilitate had, uh, I believe, multiple double doubles this past year. Plus, with his size, can uh, can crash the glass and rebound too. But um, yeah, the type of guy that you want leading your team. You go back to when he was uh, he was younger. He was an Eagle scout. Um, In high school and uh, really steady uh, and poised, and so you know he'll have the keys to running the team going forward next year. Um, One player who emerged as one of the top uh, freshmen in the Summit League last year was Deontay Billups. Um, He's from Macomb, Illinois, so that's along the Mississippi River Quad Cities region. And uh, yeah, Deontay, for a guy who wasn't even recruited by some of the schools like Western Illinois in his backyard. yeah, he was someone who, during the non-conference last year, came off the bench and then evolved into a starter. And he's really dynamic because again, around uh, six five or so, he's I guess the word that comes to mind is bouncy. So he had multiple games with double figures and rebounding, um, but he can step out and shoot it from three as well. I guess I should point out before going any further that uh, some people had given Purdue Fort Wayne the nickname of Three Nation. Uh, in recent years because prior to this past season they had spent four consecutive years top 15 in the country in three-point shooting uh, as far as threes per game some of those years they were in the, the top five in percentage too and so you know that's been a trend across basketball right but I think the Macedons have really embraced that as much as anyone and they want guys who are able to shoot it one through five so yeah in terms of returners for next year uh, a senior for the Mastodons will be Dylan Carl. Um, you know, he's a 6'11 post player. And he, this past year, actually did show a back-to-the-basket post game. But, um, you know, his favorite player probably to model himself after in the NBA would be a Kristaps Porzingis. So, again, it gives you the, the image of a guy who can step out and shoot it from 3-2. Um, this past year, another newcomer who's a transfer from Kansas state was Brian Patrick. Um, yeah, He was with that Kansas state team that went to the elite eight uh, a few years ago. Uh, wasn't necessarily a, a key piece in the rotation, but you know, an idea of the talent that he has playing for Bruce Weber. He's as athletic as anyone can jump out of the gym, can shoot it too. So he'll, he'll be back for uh, for a senior season. And then uh, some other, you know, rotational guys are coming back, but uh, just this past week, the Macedons uh, announced uh, three new commitments to the program, and so I mean, at this point, you know, time will tell how guys uh, are pieced in. But one who you could probably see being uh, an impact player right away would be a uh, oh, six-foot-eight wing player named Bobby Planudis. He's transferring in from Saint Bonaventure in the Atlantic 10. Last year, he didn't sh- you know, he didn't shoot it uh, as well as he had. Uh, his freshman year, when he was actually at St. Mary's in the uh, NEC, he shot like 50% from three as a freshman, um, and he is able to be immediately eligible as a grad transfer, he's someone who's uh, academically ahead of the game. So he's coming in to join the Macedons with two years of eligibility. Um, a guy who you know has the size to to play inside, but can again stretch the floor. Um, one who you know might wind up being a real steal for Purdue Fort Wayne is a six foot eight kid out of Memphis named Jonathan DeJournet, who according to some rankings uh, is a a top seven player out of the state of Tennessee. I I think I saw that he was recently starting to get some interest, not offers, but interest from the likes of Dayton and Georgetown. So, you know, the fact that the Macedons uh, were able to secure him, is really exciting. He looks, when you see the highlight film of him, uh, he looks like a kid who's still growing into his body, but at six, eight can run the floor uh, with some pretty, uh, pretty impressive athleticism. And then uh, going back to that theme of shooting the ball, they've got a junior college transfer uh, named Demetrik Horton, who's coming in from Independence Community College in Kansas. That Jayhawk league is uh, as good as any, juco league in the country he shot 43 percent from three last year a 6-5 guard who uh, can slash two so actually i think it'll be uh interesting to see how the macedons are you know it looks like a really deep roster for next year uh, another guy who can figure to have an impact would be a, a transfer who had to sit out last year from vermont although originally from indianapolis so kind of a homecoming for rob petty um he's a he's a really strong post player who I think will, uh, will help the team out defensively. So this past year, while the shooting numbers were down for the Mastodons, it was actually their top defensive team um, during Coach Kaufman's era based off of, uh, some, based off of uh, some numbers to evaluate. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how the Mastodons, kind of the, the mentality that they had uh, down the stretch this past year where the offense you know, was, was not at its uh, usual, usual rate of putting up about 80 points per game. had more of a commitment on the defensive end and had a quote unquote whatever it takes mantra so see if they're able to uh to carry over that grittiness on the defensive side um and then if they can kind of have a return to form shooting the ball you know i think that would project them to be a contender in the horizon
1: you really answered my question i was going to ask about you know the tempo that they play but it sounds like they're a pretty up-tempo team i mean you, you talk a lot about shooting the three so um obviously they're you know getting into that but it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna push the ball and try to score around 80 points a game which is you know fits in pretty well with the horizon league mold, mold for most of the teams i would say
2: yeah definitely a fun brand of basketball one of the the popular lines from coach kaufman and if you're tuned in to broadcast a lot of times you can even hear him say it in the background is uh Get it happy or make it happy. He likes to say, make the ball happy. And, you know, the ball is happy when it's moving side to side, quick ball movement. Um, yeah, so again, if you look at Ken Palm numbers from this past year, they would be an outlier compared to uh, previous years under Coach Kaufman, where they were playing at one of the faster tempos, um, you know, in the, in, in the entire country.
0: So um obviously one of the things that uh, you know obviously we have I'm sure you've seen a little bit of kind of the way the Horizon League plays um during this past season um last year uh, last year if I'm not mistaken you know Fort Wayne played IUPUI and we'll talk a little bit about kind of that dynamic between those two schools in a minute but in terms of the way that the Horizon League has um it was positioned last season. Where do you see, go? You know, where do you see Fort Wayne situated in kind of the dynamic of the horizon league next season? Um, like I said, you know, last year for at least most of the, for a good chunk of the conference schedule, there was kind of a log jam between about the the third place and eighth place teams in the conference. So where do you see Fort Wayne kind of situating into the, into that, into this dynamic next season?
2: Yeah, really fascinating question. Uh, and I still have got to do my homework to, uh, to look at what everyone else in the league has coming back for next year. But Basically, the way I would evaluate it is um, most year, most recent years, I think the Summit League and the Horizon League have been pretty comparable uh, from a Ken Palm and an RPI rating uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. I think the Summit League has actually been uh, a few spots ahead of the Horizon League in most seasons, and Purdue-Fort Wayne was consistently uh, towards the top of the standings in the Summit League and had one regular season uh, championship and uh, a couple other finishes in, in second or third, and doing that despite the challenges, like we talked about before, of um, sort of being the uh, being the team that in the misfit uh, as far as the rest of the geographic base that presented uh, its own obstacles and whatnot. So, I mean, I, I think the ten sort of uh, project Purdue Fort Wayne to to certainly be uh, the top half of the league team now going forward into the horizon and. Um, in recent years, Purdue Fort Wayne has played, like you said, a IUPUI. They've had some meetings with uh, UIC, uh, Detroit Mercy, um, even another one, which uh, fans wouldn't catch this by looking at the schedules, but Purdue Fort Wayne has uh, routinely had a preseason uh, closed-door scrimmage against Youngstown State, so some mm-hmm. familiarity with uh, with another opponent there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the and basically, when you look back on Purdue Fort Wayne's time in the Summit League uh, and some of the accolades that were collected along the way, like a regular season title, like upsets against uh, Indiana, you know, a Coach of the Year award for Coach Kaufman, a, a Player of the Year. Uh, before Con- John Contra, Max Landis actually won a uh, Player of the Year. He's a guy playing overseas now. Um, the, the one thing that eluded Purdue Fort Wayne. Uh, during that run in the, the Summit League was getting to the Big Dance State. They, they made the championship game, but uh, never, got, never got that ticket punch. So, I mean, this is a program that has clearly been knocking on the door, really hunting that elusive uh, sure. trip to, uh, to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, that is the, uh, that is the goal and, and expectation here uh, going forward for the Mastodons.
0: Now Fort Wayne obviously um, is not going to completely get away from the Summit League. As I understand it, this is going to be the first year of the Horizon League Summit League Challenge. Um, so, uh, what advantage is Fort Wayne going to have in that particular uh, in that particular set of games? Because as I understand it, the um, I'm not sure kind of how the dynamic of that's going to work, but and I don't know you know, who's going to be matched up with who. But what kind of advantages? Fort Wayne going to have as a horizon league member over some of the other horizon league members for that particular challenge that you can see.
2: Yeah, I know. And that, that will be the, the case with the, the summit league horizon challenge coming up this year. Uh, you know, an advantage will be that they would have less, less time uh, than necessary uh, or less time than usual in the non-conference having to uh, prepare a scouting report since that'll, you know, in all likelihood already be uh taken care of, of course, then it goes both ways where the opponents are already going to know their personnel uh, basically inside and out too. So, yeah, that that is fun. I mean, you know, as I was talking about, there have been some headaches with the travel uh, of playing Summit League uh, opponents in the past. Uh, not sure yet if they'll have a home date or a road date. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a, an ironic thing that uh, even as they, they leave the Summit League in some way, they're still going to have that uh, connection. Which, again, is a good thing, too, because Summit links a really strong uh, basketball league, uh, a lot of respect for uh, programs and coaches uh, over there. So it'll be good to be able to, to keep keep that tie uh, in some way.
1: John, the past couple of years, uh, the Summit's actually been ranked ahead of the horizon and, you know, like 10-pound rankings, that kind of stuff. Um, just in your perspective, do you think that's accurate? Do you think that this is a step up for Fort Wayne? Is it just the logistical, you know, footprint that we've talked about, like, what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, I was mentioning that earlier, too. I mean, it's been a little bit ahead of the Horizon League, but, you know, again, when you look top to bottom, I mean, one thing that really, uh, I think, is impressive about the Horizon League is the, uh, the, the depth of the league and the parity. I mean, I guess what, looking this past year, maybe an IUPUI and uh, Detroit Mercy uh, didn't quite carry their weight over the full course of the season. Um, but it doesn't strike me, and you guys know a lot better than me, but it doesn't strike me as a league that's uh, necessarily been too top-heavy. It's it's still the type of the league where the the team that's maybe in the basement has a shot at knocking off off whoever's at the top of the standings, Um, whereas I think the Summit League did tend to have um, more years than not, and it was a little bit more on the top-heavy side with uh, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, uh, primarily kind of going back and forth as the top dog, and uh, and there were a couple of a uh, couple of bottom feeders um, in the Summit League, whereas uh, the Horizon just seems like um, there's more consistent parity uh, in the conference.
1: It's always interesting to get you know. An outside perspective, if you will, even though you're kind of <laughs> on the inside now, just to see how other people see it. I mean, we get jaded. And <laughs> what's that? We well, I just said, as, as fans here, we get jaded. You know, we're, we're, we're we going to sit jaded. there and rip yeah. on Detroit Mercy and IUPUI for carrying it down, but it's interesting to see the outside yeah. perspective.
2: Well, like, as I was saying, part of the advantage that, uh, that the South Dakota states and the North Dakota states had in the summit league and, you know, to their, uh, tremendous credit is that in some ways, those are almost, uh, comparable to, uh, to big 10 type schools in that they're like the flagship universities for their states, And that's the go-to event for fans there. So, you know, they're packing buildings, um, with, you know, 5,000 plus, plus fans, uh, and having like true, real, uh, distinct home court advantages, like South Dakota state, uh, literally I think has had the top home court advantage in the entire country over the last decade or so um, if not number one they are in the same mix as Duke and Kansas and you know Gonzaga in and, and those really elite national programs so and then you throw in that the conference tournament is annually held in Sioux Falls South Dakota which is nearby to uh, South Dakota state's campus and not all that far away for North Dakota state so uh, Summit Lake tournament is not by any means a neutral site venue. Um, again, are there. It's bigger than their home, their home arena. So it's uh, around eight to 10,000, uh, fans pretty much all wearing, all wearing the same color. And it was never, it was never Purdue Fort Wayne's color. Um, so yeah, when you kind of look back on the Don's time there, that was, that was one of the hurdles for trying to get into the big Dance is that the conference tournament entailed, uh, significant travel, and basically playing road games. And, you know, now with the Horizon League tournament in Indianapolis, all of a sudden, you know, one that's just pretty centrally located for all of the Horizon League to have some fan representation and including for Purdue Fort Lane. So, um, you know, you're not going to have to sort of be viewing your own conference tournament as as some kind of major adversity of playing on the road.
0: Sure. You met, you obviously you mentioned Indianapolis, um, and you know Fort Wayne, and in uh, IUPUI have obviously played multiple times over the past couple of years since IUPUI has left the left the Horizon League. Um, tell us a little about if there's is there going to be some sort of potential in-state uh, kind of rivalry going on between those two schools, or is it just kind of just another game on the schedule at this point?
2: Well, I would say I think rivalries are a good thing for yes. for sports, including college basketball, right? So I wouldn't view rivalry with, like, a, with a, a poor connotation. I think it's a good thing to have an in-state rivalry. You know, again, it kind of goes back to the fact that, hey, in a Fort Wayne neighborhood, You could have someone who's a Purdue-Fort Wayne alum and their neighbor maybe uh, wanted to get away from school. It's about two hours away to go down to IUPUI. So, you know, you could have a friendly rivalry in in that sense. Um, And, yeah, it's going to be a rivalry, too, because, like we said, geographically not too far away. So that means you're, in some cases, probably going after the same recruits. So, you know, there's some roots to a rivalry there, not to mention. Yeah, there was a history of playing some really uh, competitive uh, exciting games uh, in recent years, even go back two seasons ago when IUPUI had just joined the Horizon League. They still came to Fort Wayne for a non-conference game, and uh, it was there was there was a different level of intensity to it um, because of that rivalry. And then uh, I think when you talk about rivalries too, like you need characters that sort of fuel rivalries and. Uh, truth be told, the uh, Jaguars' previous head coach Jason Gardner—he definitely did throw gasoline on the uh, on the fire uh, multiple multiple times. So the fact mm. that he's no longer in the picture probably uh, maybe actually loses some of the edge to the rivalry um, that had that had been brewing. Um sure. You know, now it's kind of just a new chapter being uh, conference members again, but in the Horizon League. But yeah, mm. I guess just to look back <laughs> through the. Uh, threw the history book at it. Um, it was about four years ago in a Summit League game when IUPUI won on a buzzer beater. And that was a year when Purdue Four Wayne actually had a, re- had a pretty impressive uh, home court winning streak going. And so it was a statement win for IUPUI, which really was towards the bottom of the, of the Summit League there for a while. Um, so it was a big win for them. And you know, kudos to them for getting it but it was rather bizarre that Coach Gardner at the time chose to uh, his his reaction to the to the buzzer beater was running out to the, the center court logo and kind of stomping on the Mastodon, which
0: oh hmm.
1: okay, was he sober? You
2: know? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I won't touch that one. <laughs> you don't but, have, um,
1: yeah, you don't. I will. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah, yet. I
2: think it was actually. I think it may have been the same season when, again, there was a game that went down to the final second. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne had a had a last-second shot that could have uh, tied or won the game, um, didn't go in, so IUPUI wound up, um, again, with, for them, well, a really big win. And this one, I, I kid you not, Coach Gardner stood up on the scorers table, and as if that's not bizarre enough in itself, then he – he stared down the collection of of Macedon's fans who had made that trip down to Indy so you know and that was one where I think after the fact wow. um I think there was reprimand from the semi-league or from IUPUI itself and coach Garner put out an apology afterwards um but you know stuff like wow, that how did we
0: miss this, like, man.
1: <laughs> well and John you actually kind of give us a perfect transition um we're looking for Fort Wayne fans. We do a fan battle royale. Yes. We still need a representative, but like, I mean, are there are there fans that follow this team pretty that you exists. know pretty crazy? Like, what what are we missing? Why can't we find our, ourselves some Fort Wayne fans?
2: Yeah, well, I'll definitely make sure to help you out with that. Uh, it's a growing fan base because yeah, and just when you look at the uh, the context of things, Fort Wayne for for many years, uh, when people were picking a favorite college basketball team to root for, they were going with you know, IU or Purdue, especially, you know, when you look at the uh, the traditions of those schools under you know Coach Knight and Coach Katie. Um, and Purdue-Fort Wayne, as I previously said, only became Division I in 2001, and it was taking it to lumps there. So it's still a relatively new thing for the fact that not only does, does Fort Wayne have its own Division I school, but it has a men's basketball team that is beating IU and is you know right there in the thick of contention for an NCAA tournament bid Um, and like I was saying with coach Kaufman he's such a a personable guy I mean he has the one of his mantras too is actually that he's building the fan base one fan at a time so I mean a good story uh, off that and like I said uh, Brett Rump the radio voice hosts a local sports talk show and so I mean frankly Brett probably gives more attention to the Mastodon's on his daily two-hour show than the average host would um, for a mid-major college basketball team. And as a result, there was apparently someone who, with some level of frequency, would text into the show's text line, basically saying, like, nobody cares about Mastodon's basketball. Stop talking about them. And it got to the point where Coach Kaufman actually – because um, he'll go on the show. And as I guess, so he was you know, aware of the fact that there was someone trolling the show. Coach Kaufman, instead of saying, you know, screw you, he actually offered his complimentary tickets to this person. Uh, and I think they had a, a child that they brought. And so sure enough, that guy went and brought his kids to a game, had a really great time, you know, recognizing that in this case, it was a free ticket, but uh, for the average fan, tickets are really affordable. I mean, sure. for like 10 or $12, you can be pretty close to the court. And, you know, it's a family-friendly experience. It's exciting basketball. Um, the fact that, again, the team plays it up-tempo, unselfish style, you know, that just makes it all the more appealing. Um, and you can have someone like Coach Kaufman who's willing to, after the game, you know, go around, shake hands, you know, just literally thank, thank fans for coming. And, uh, yeah there, there was that troll became a fan. I actually had a chance to meet him myself at a game this past season for the first time where uh, coach Kaufman set it up for this guy's son to take pictures with players on the court after a game. Um, and so, you know, it's just stories like that show the growth, growth of the program um, and, and just more and more community involvement that, uh, that the whole athletic department is involved with that is helping to, uh, helping to really grow the the Macedon's brand, you know, locally and, and regionally too.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, well, John, thank you very much for, for joining us once again. Um, where can people find you online?
2: Yeah. Uh, fans can follow me on social media at, I'm at John J O H N underscore G underscore Nolan N O L A N. And, uh, yeah, would would love to interact with, uh, Horizon League fans from, uh, from around the conference and you know fingers crossed uh, at some point we'll be traveling during uh, the minor league baseball season with the 10 caps and going to some horizon leaks uh cities there you go. and so yeah maybe hope to uh, catch some fans in advance but otherwise uh looking forward to uh to getting to know everyone in the league um yeah just to share a quick thing on my background as a kid growing up i like i said i grew up uh in the new york city area my uh-huh. dad is actually an alumnus of Niagara University, which is in the oh. Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, uh-huh. and I just uh, took after my dad of of rooting for Niagara, the Purple Eagles, like, uh, sure. like a maniac as a kid. I, I kid you not. I think I was in fourth grade when I started on a daily basis checking, you know, pre-social media, just checking the message board for yeah. uh, Niagara basketball fans in the MAC conference, and so, you know. the and uh, they, their head coach when I was a kid, who's now the head coach at Hofstra, which would have been in the tournament this year, Joe Mahalik. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very similar to Coach Kaufman, where he's the type who, when I got to go to some games and they'd play in the New York City area, and he, as a little kid, he let me sit on the bench and help the managers fill up the water cups. Um, but anyway, I just bring that up because, I mean, my heart is in mid-major college basketball. And uh, I'm really excited to have the chance to, uh, to now be in a league like the Horizon League that uh yeah, I think it's just an awesome, awesome mid-major league. And uh you know, can't wait for uh, Purdue Fort Wayne to uh to become a fixture in it.
0: All right. Great, wonderful, man. yeah, and, and we're happy to have you as well. So um yeah, definitely uh but and again, definitely thank you again for coming on. Um and that's gonna wrap it up for us. As always, you can find uh episodes of the Horizon Roundtable at horizonroundtable.com you can find uh, you can also find us wherever podcasts are available we're everywhere so subscribe do that and you can also pull us up on your amazon or uh, amazon or google devices and like i said that's going to do it and thank you all for listening